Rain Wilson is an American actor, writer, and producer. He is best known for his role as the world's most famous office worker, Dwight Schrute, on the NBC sitcom The Office. For this, he earned three consecutive Emmy Award nominations for Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Comedy Series. Rain also founded the media company and YouTube channel Soul Pancake. The channel has three and a half million subscribers and is one of the most innovative companies in video. He's written several books, including a humorous memoir about his personal life, career, and faith called The Bassoon King that was published in November 2015. After visiting Greenland in 2019 with Arctic Base Camp, whose advisory board Rain also serves on, he made a documentary, The Idiot's Guide to Climate Change. This is available to stream online, and I suggest if you haven't seen it, please do. So I'd like to welcome today to the great indoors, one of Hollywood's most interesting stars. Welcome to the great indoors, a podcast designed to talk about technological advancement and societal change in these turbulent times. I'm your host, Matt Roberts, and joining me today is my producer and co-pilot, Larissa Yee. And for the first time with us live, Amdox's Chief Marketing Officer, Mr. Gil Rosen. So I'd like to welcome our special guest to the great indoors today. He needs no introduction, although I just gave him quite an introduction, Mr. Rain Wilson. Welcome to The Great Indoors. Hello, sir. Good to be in The Great Indoors with you. So joining us also today, live and in person, is our Chief Marketing Officer, Mr. Gil Rosen. Gil, welcome to The Great Indoors. Hey, Matt. It's good to be here, and it's good to see you and hear you. And where are you enjoying The Great Indoors today, Rain? Uh, from my home, uh, just north of uh, Los Angeles, out in the, in the suburbs. Uh, it's a beautiful day. It's sunny, about 74 degrees. Uh, we are nice. not in frozen Texas. Oh, I can see the sunshine bursting through your window here, exactly. which is quite a contrast to where I am, you know, for sure, in this icy Ontario. So one thing I ask all our guests, uh, and I'll ask you, Rain, if that's okay, is I always ask everybody, what have you done at home? What have you innovated uh, at home to make it more comfortable? Well... I don't know if you can see it, Matt, but right in front of me, I have this incredible podcasting microphone attached like to my it. desk. It's got a swivel yeah. arm and everything. It's very, it's like a, I feel like a radio disc jockey um, <laughs> because I've been doing so many podcasts and listening to so many podcasts and participating in so many podcasts. So that's super, been super fun. Um, mm -hmm. Actually, one of the things I'm most excited about is I bought kiln as in a cooking kiln yes to for to make clay i've always been obsessed with clay and ceramics and pottery so i researched i even found a guy who was like my he's my pottery guru and he like was taking me to all the websites and showing me the different kilns and everything and of course because it's covid they're all on back order for like six months so <laughs> <laughs> so about five months ago, I ordered my kiln and it should be getting here any minute, but I wish I'd had it for the last five months, but I'm super excited to, uh, wow. I know Seth Rogen has been doing a lot of pottery spinning. I want to do more right. like, um, you know, sculpting and making creative weird stuff, but I'm really excited for that to arrive. Yeah, that sounds cool. So 
Welcome again, Rainless. I'm really pleased to have you here. It's fantastic to have you here. Now, if you don't mind, we'll, we'll start with The Office, if you don't mind, and your character, Dwight Shrew. Great, um, let's dive right in. I tell you, we did something internally here. We put out an email um, to, to the whole company saying, would you like to ask Mr. Rain Wilson a question? And the response we had was phenomenal. Literally, our email servers, it's the first time they've crashed since we said there would be an open bar at the Christmas party. Um, <laughs> and there wasn't an open bar or, or a Christmas party. But we elicited a huge <laughs> response from from lots of people all over the company. It was really, really interesting. So I, I'm going to actually, these questions aren't from me or Larissa. They're going to come from some of our people all around the world. So I'll start with this one, which I think is incredible. It's from Rob Coxford in Toronto. And not only did he say he's a, he's a mega fan, uh, Larissa's going to actually show you this. He, he emailed us a picture of a tattoo he has of uh, a stapler in a jello mold. He's actually oh, got this goodness. tattooed on him. Oh, my goodness. The stapler in jello he found so funny, he thought, I am going to tattoo this on my body for all of eternity. Yeah. Wow. It's pretty, that's commitment. That's, pretty, that's devotion. And, and his question, Rain, was, if you had to pick one cold open in the office as your all-time favorite, which one would it be? Oh my gosh, there's so many great cold opens. I think my favorite right now is the one where Jim dresses as Dwight. And that's the famous one where he says, Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. Um, and the, the thing I love about it is that that phrase, Bears beats Battlestar Galactica, has become the, the Dwight battle cry. And they're like, say that or write that. And it's like, guys, that's not even my line. That's Jim's line. But it's become <laughs> the most famous Dwight line of all time, thanks to that, that brilliant cold open. That was cool. That was cool. I tell you, my, my favorite, and I played this to my kids in the car the other day, was the lip sync opening. Oh, you that's know, great. The, uh, yeah. That's a dun, cracker. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Yeah. Timeless, timeless. So the next question is from Nathan Arnold in St. Louis, Missouri. And it kind of relates to what you just said, Rain. He said the pandemic is in full swing and he's looking for ways to remain healthy. Could eating a lot of beets improve his chances of survival or would you suggest an alternative? I think that's the perfect choice. In an all seriousness, beets are a miracle food. They're a wonder food. The number of the B vitamins and vitamin C and uh, nutrients in beets are astonishing. Uh, they make you poop red. So that's always a bonus. Um, but uh, I, I would stick with beets. It's you can't, you really can't get better, you know, Nathan, better than celery. There you go. Yeah. Stick with beets and celery, Nathan. That's our advice today from the great indoors. So the next question is from Jordan Davis, and he's from our big nerd ranch in um, Atlanta. We, we have a ranch full of big nerds, which is um, Wow. Do you, do, you, do you breed them? We breed them. We breed big nerds. That's why wow. they're so successful. Yeah. They're like the size of like LeBron James, but they look like Bill Gates. <laughs> Well, that we, we did use DNA from both of those individuals. They, they were happy to <laughs> sign for that. And, uh, yeah, we, we have a big nerd ranch. It, it's doing remarkably well. 
And the question from Jordan on the Big Nerd Ranch in Atlanta is why the bassoon? I guess he's referring to your book here, right? Well, he's referring to my book, but he's also referring to this. Ah, it's here. Wow. It's right here by my desk. You can't see yeah. it, podcast listeners, but I actually own a bassoon. Oh, wow. You know what? I'm going to bring this back around to that first question. Uh, one of the things that I did besides buying a kiln is I mm -hmm. bought a bassoon. A new, a, a new bassoon. Yes, I did. Because you had one for a while. Yeah. A, a, a new used bassoon. They're very expensive. I, I never... I played one in high school. So I, I was a very nerdy kid in high school, Matt. I think we went over this. Uh, and I would love to join your nerd farm. I was on the chess team. Um, I was on the pottery club. So I'm going back to all my old loves. I'm playing in a chess tournament. I'm buying a kiln and I'm playing the bassoon. But I never had a bassoon because they were so expensive. They're crazy expensive. But uh, I found out that they keep their value. In fact, they increase in value. So wow. it's like, okay. So I plopped down seven grand on a bassoon. I know that's crazy. It's like the price of a car, but it's an investment because probably in another 10 years, it'll be worth 10 grand. I'll, I'll make a little <laughs> tidy little profit off of it. So I might just mm -hmm. put all my money, take them out of the stock market, put them into bassoons. That's my I suggestion. That's, I, th I think that's uh, your investing uh, suggestion today, Ren. Let's invest heavily in bassoons, I think. Bassoons. Yeah, forget Bitcoin. Forget uh, Elon Musk. The next question is uh, from Garrett Comedy in New York. This gets a little bit more serious here. So okay. um, do you think the omnipresence of multi-season shows like The Office and Friends stifle new content coming to the fore? These two shows are so dominant. Do you think it's harder for new shows to get traction than it was in the days when the networks drove their success. Hmm. That's a great question, actually. Um, and that's and a very smart question. And I've always wondered this. I'll meet young people and they're like, I've seen The Office like 12 times. I'm like, well, why don't you watch a new show? There's a lot of good shows out there. No, I sometimes I start one or I'll try one. I just want to watch The Office again. And it's it's interesting. I'm not sure why that is, but I, I do think that he's onto something with the very last sentence that he asked, which is the networks used to kind of like really push these shows. And yeah, maybe only one out of every five or 10 would kind of stick, but they helped build an audience for comedies. And it's much harder to do now in the streaming environment, especially for comedies for some reason. There haven't been successful launches of new comedies. And, and, and frankly, the quality has not been great. So that's been part of it too. I don't think that a lot of them are very funny. They don't make me laugh. Although I do really love Search Party. I think that's a really great and smart show. Mm -hmm. I highly recommend it. Okay. That's interesting. And I think, you know, when, one of the things we talked about last time as well was how do you think Dwight would have coped working at home? How I think it's, and it also gets me onto my next question as well, because he's the most famous office worker in the world. He thrives on on the office environment. How would he have worked with this Zoom world we live in? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, I think for him, he this may have been the break that he needed to kind of get back connected to his farm. I think for Dwight, <laughs> remember. First and foremost, he's a farmer. So in his, he's probably up at dawn feeding chickens and plowing fields. And then 
hopping into his car at 840 and making it to work by nine and then back out in the fields at night. So if he's working a lot more at home, if he's doing online sales calls, he's probably, um, people say, oh, that's a nice virtual background of a beet farm. But uh, it's uh, it's not it's not virtual. It's an actual farm. So, if we, if the office were continuing, if they were shooting the show, and Dwight was in the pandemic on a lot of virtual calls, I think it would have brought him ultimately back to his farm, which is really where he needs to be at the end of the day. Yeah, but where did where did the beats come from? I find the beats thing fascinating. Where where was that? Who came up with the the beats idea. Well, it was, it was, there was a combination of things. So when I first met with the writers, I brought over a bunch of pictures of my relatives and a lot of them were kind of like Frank, for lack of a better phrase, white trash. And a lot of them were farmers back in the day. And my mom grew up on a farm and uh, my dad did too. So they got the kind of idea like, oh, maybe Dwight has a, some kind of farming background. That would be really cool. They also kind of got the, the muscle car kind of white trash idea. And then early on, I did an improv and it eventually made it into the show. But I said, my name is Dwight Schrute. My father's name was Dwight Schrute. His father's name, Dwight Schrute. Amish. <laughs> <laughs> and so then they were like, they're like, oh, they love that. And they had the Amish idea. And then Greg Daniels, the, the showrunner and creator of the American office, who's brilliant. Um, his grandparents, or maybe great grandparents, actually were beet farmers in Poland uh, before right. World War II. So he always wanted to put in beet farming. Uh, so it all kind of came together in a beautiful melange. So, Gil, um, I think you have a, a question for Rain. So, you know, I was wondering during the first quarantine, or let's 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 take it a step back. You know, we were flying all over the place, we we're meeting people, we we're doing stuff, blah 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 blah. And then fast forward into the first quarantine, and this is like I think in the first few weeks when we we're all in like kind of it was like a global shock of you know we're all closed down and everything. And I heard uh, on the radio, I was listening to this guy interviewing an actor, a theater actor. And he was talking about how the audience has been taken away from him and how the energy has been taken away from him and how he's like, you know, he's trying to kind of recalibrate and everything. And I'm, I'm like completely not in that business, right? I'm, we're in software, we're, you know, we're selling, we're marketing, we're, you know, it's, it like seems completely different. But when he spoke, I was like, yes, I miss the energy. I miss standing in front of people and waving my hands. And all of a sudden, my entire world has kind of closed down to this window that we're speaking of, you know, in right now. And I was wondering, first of all, if you had this kind of like epiphany. And second of all, it's amazing how kind of worlds collided, right? Because now we need to kind of adopt acting skills. We need to be able to talk in front of a camera. We need to be able to to do more things that we've ever imagined, right? So I don't know, did you, you know, how do you reflect on that? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting because uh, yesterday I actually had a photo shoot at my house for 
uh, this new podcast that I'm doing, or actually a couple new podcasts that I'm doing. We all got tested beforehand, and it was in my garage, which we kind of set up as a mini photo studio because it's a big garage. It was just amazing being around people. Like I shook people's hands, <laughs> even if I sh maybe shouldn't have. And uh, and we were just in proximity and were tested. And we mostly wore masks when and kept distance when we had to. But it, I think there is something profoundly human about us needing to just be around other humans. We are a social species. We're a pack species. And we thrive in proximity to others and we really suffer in isolation. I know I have a teenage son and being in zoom school has just been awful for him. And he just yeah. broke down the other week and was just like, I just want to be with my friends. I just want to have lunch and I want to see them in the hallways and high five them and wave and goof off. And, you know, you think about like, yeah, school is not just about learning stuff it's an experience. It's, it's experiential. And so I think that that is, everyone says like, oh, everything is going to move to Zoom. You know, we're not going to have in-person meetings or conferences or something like that. But I think there's, there's a, a legitimate hunger out there just to be around people. Well, you know, when you started uh, talking and, and describing the, 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 the session you guys had, I was just uh, this morning, we were shooting a commercial for for one of the business units in in, in Amblox and it's really um, something really struck me so what happened was that a few months ago when we started planning this we were you know we were casting and then I got the final tapes to review and kind of you know approve the actors and it was amazing because actually all the actors did the auditions at home hmm. and uh, they were shooting with their iPhones Yep. And their spouse was taking the and sometimes doing the other side of the text yeah, which was I found hilarious, and actually there was also I, I noticed like a real difference, which actually impacted the uh, the decision I could even say, to the extent of how well they did, they kind of directed the audition. It was amazing mm. because mm. some of them were like in front of the iPhone just doing their text, even though it was like good text, and others were like doing the whole scene and and editing. And I was just wondering, you know, for you also how it's like changed because. You used to fly over and used to prepare and then you entered into a room and, and all of a sudden it's like everything is at home. <laughs> right. Well, I think like you said, I've done a lot of before and after the pandemic, actually I've done at home auditions, but there is something about going in and auditioning for someone and being in a room and there's a camera and there's strangers and you're performing. And just like you said about the theater, like it energizes you in a way, like I've put some auditions on tape of myself for some projects. And frankly, I wasn't very good because it just, I was shooting in my little, I'm sure you know, you're my, being modest. <laughs> my dad, no, it wasn't great. I was just in my den and my wife or my son even shoot me. And I just, it was a little bit half-assed and lackadaisical. I was just going to, it led me on to my next question there was, we don't see this dysfunction played out right now. We don't see it in on TV and in movies and 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 uh, uh, on on any any channels. Do you think as we go into next year, um, Rain, that we're going to see this play out uh, in productions everywhere? We're going to see this life that we're existing in. Well, I think that there there's a lot of talk right now about 
people are making TV shows and making movies and saying, do we set it during COVID times? You know, let's assume that by August, we're kind of out of this, maybe not entirely, but at least you can go to a movie theater, travel more or what have you, restaurants more. I don't know what the answer is, but my opinion is, is that there's going to be a long while when people are going to want to forget about this time. And we're not going to want to see movies and TV shows set on Zooms and set during the pandemic. We're going to want to be big and broad and expansive and funny and with groups of people. And we're just going to want to move on. Certainly in 2021, maybe even 2022. I think it's going to maybe 2023, 24, we can start to have some, you know, movies that are set during the pandemic and how that affects people or you know, whether it's a murder mystery or a comedy or what have you, but I think we need a little space. We need a little distance. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. By the way, do you think that, you know, going back to what I described that we're, you know, all the meetings that we used to have are now like zoom, right. And let me just give you a quick example. And I wonder how, how it's been in your life. Like I would have uh, had a meeting in Manila, right. On a Wednesday, I would have probably flown out on a Sunday to land in Asia, which is ahead of us, like Monday night, have Tuesday in Manila preparation for the meeting, you know, lunch, dinner, and everything that you do when you're traveling, then be on the Wednesday in a meeting, finish the meeting in the evening, fly already Wednesday night or Thursday morning, and land on Thursday night or Friday. So most of my week has been this Manila meeting, right? On a Wednesday, which was like reasonable. And then the week following that would have been packed because I've missed a week of like being in the office and doing da 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 da. Now it's like it's all spaced out because we're not flying anywhere. I wonder how thing how things in your mind will go back to whether there will be like like you said like we'll rave meeting each other or it'll be like you know how will it end up? Do you think? Yeah, well, there's you know there's a lot of good and bad of that. So you're flying to Manila. And in so doing, you're spending a lot of money and you're creating a lot of jobs, right? You're flying and you're taking taxis and you're buying food at restaurants and there are people working at the conference and et cetera. So by not traveling, you're definitely reducing the job market. But at the same time, you're also reducing your carbon footprint. You're not, everyone's not flying all over the place for these business meetings. Uh, I'm sure the number of just simple number of math of like airplanes taking off and landing is is significantly down and and a lot of it does you're right it doesn't make sense you know um I, so i think there's a balance i think most kind of conferences and presentations will move to virtual but there will still be that need every once in a while like we talked about to kind of get people together in a room there's nothing better than kind of being in a room with people, networking, business cards, handshakes, having a drink at the bar, making business those bonds. Cards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't you can't do that uh, virtually, you know. And you know, having some laughs with people and um, connection. So I, I don't think it'll be gone entirely. I think this is a, an interesting point. How has your creativity been since you've been 
at home? I think that's a question for Gil and for you, Rain. How, have you become more creative, less creative? I, f- I found myself becoming either crazy creative or... Uh, do you feel more... Have you come up with some really killer ideas since you've been at home? So, yes, I have. Now, listen, I am one of the luckiest people on the planet. Like, I get TV residuals, and I've saved some money because I was on a TV show, and so I'm okay financially, and I don't have to hustle like so many people are having to hustle jobs and and worry about next month's rent. Um, So that being said, though, one of the things I love to do is write, and I have, especially getting more and more into writing, directing, producing, uh, rather than acting, over the last several years. So this has been an, an amazing opportunity for me to write. So I've co-written and co-created a, a scripted podcast. I've co-written a, a horror science fiction film with a friend. And uh, and I've been working on a book on kind of wow. spiritual and philosophical ideas. And I've written, I've written 25,000 words on it so far. So I'm almost wow. like a third of the way done. So I, but I'm lucky because I have that, skill set and that's where my love is so i i really keep underlying that for a lot of people it's hard to be creative if you're like stuck at home if there's the anxiety of how am i going to make rent and how you know is my job still going to be there yeah yeah absolutely and i've i've come up with an idea of a show rain can i okay. pitch it at you and get your feedback <laughs> yeah. pitch pitch yeah. me baby let's okay, let's talk about the plan matt yeah I, i'm gonna plan, I'll, I'll i'll be speaking to my mother back in the uk at the weekend i'll say well i just pitched a show to rain rain wilson um i've got this idea rain the show it's called podcast and it's about this um british guy who decides to start his own podcast he's uh and he meets all these interesting people. That's a terrible idea. What do you think? Tell me. It'll never happen. It'll never work. No? No one will watch it. Oh that sounds like the most horrific, boring idea I've ever heard. I'm just I teasing. have a really bad name for you also for it. I think it's something about the great indoors or something. I think it's yeah, a pun. A pun name? <laughs> the great indoors, the, the, the motion picture. Maybe, yeah. maybe that's what yeah. we did. Yeah, there we go. Could you could you could yeah. you see an episode in the office about happening in Zoom? Can you, I would can say you, you know that? Matthew McConaughey looks a little bit like Matt, and we could get Matthew to play uh, Matt in the Great Indoors movie. Well, I've already oh, that's had not Hugh. Bad. That's a good casting. Hugh Hugh Grant actually, I said he's a little bit older <laughs> than me, but yeah. I've always you know maybe thought Hugh Grant could play me, right? But I don't know. I don't know if he spends too much time. Anyway. So look, he well, could do well, the accent, certainly. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So great, uh, thumbs up on my uh, show idea. So yep. um, I'll send over the script uh, after the podcast, and we'll we'll take it from there. I think that's great. I'm going to switch gears here now and talk a little bit about social media. Um, and I think, you know, during uh, this this pandemic and, you know, we can't connect to people we talked about before physically. So a lot of people are connecting digitally. And I think this year there was a moment of reckoning with social media. I think particularly with the events of January the 6th and what, what we saw with, with what Twitter and, and Facebook uh, had to do um, around that time. So I, I think social media has um, become a, a, a really... 
uh, powerful tool and, and, and a hot topic. And, and I know, Rain, you're, you're uh, very, you have a huge following on social media channels. So do you think the benefits of social media outweigh the negatives? What's your feeling on everything that's happened in this domain over the last few months? You know, that's such a great question. And I started uh, a, a digital media company, not a social media company, called Soul Pancake about 10 or 12 years ago. And social media is a part of the way that we communicate what we do. We make kind of uplifting, uh, cool, funny, entertaining, but always like inspiring videos, uh, mostly on our YouTube channel, but on other platforms as well. And we always are having this discussion. We're going back and around and around on it. Like social media opens so much up in seconds. You can... You can find out anything. You want to know what a politician is saying in in Egypt? Just boom. You can just find it on Twitter. You can, you know, get all kinds of viewpoints or a writer you like or a rock band. What are they doing? Like it's, you can connect with people. There's so many positives, you know, social movements, positive social movements, social justice movements have started on social media and also really negative, weird social movements and a lot of negativity around positive social movements that started on social media. It's such a double-edged sword. And I guess it's hard to answer this question without kind of playing both sides of it. Number one, I took social media off my phone ah. because wow. I spent way too much time in the day just looking at it, scrolling through Instagram and Twitter. And I could just spend all day doing that. And I didn't like how that made me feel. So I send my posts to my assistant who puts them up. I miss the interactivity. I miss seeing the jokes of the comedians and my friends from TV shows and, and, and whatnot. But I really don't miss how addictive it is. And as we all saw in that great documentary, The Social Dilemma, which brought up so many interesting issues around the addictive algorithms uh, that have been generated by these mega corporations simply to kind of scratch that itch and get you to click even more. Part of the problem we see politically going on is, uh, I won't get into politics, but it's so divisive right now because uh, social media outrage is one of the things that gets people to click buttons. So if you feel outrage, you're more likely to click a button than if you just feel warm and fuzzy. So they outrage headlines get you clicking buttons and that gets people more and more divided. So at the end of the day, this is what I think. There was this giant social experiment, which was about 10 years ago. Let's take these little mini pocket computers that can kind of do anything and we'll put social media on them and we'll drop one into everyone's pocket and we'll just see what happens. So it's just been this spree, this kind of free for all uh, with social media that's unchecked, unregulated, both personally and platform wide. And, you know, you can look at on your iPhone, you can see how many hours per day you spend on a phone and it's pretty scary. It's like, wait a minute. I didn't know I was awake that many hours. <laughs> and um, I think what has to happen is we have to learn to live in balance. I don't think social media is going anywhere. I think it is ultimately too valuable in terms of communication, but uh, we we as a species, I know me individually and us as a species, we have to learn how to use it with moderation 
and you know with a grain of salt as well that's a good point i think if you look you know fast forward the the, the time that we're living in right now is such a like a small blimp in how like technology will be embedded in our life i think the fact that we carry it around and you know we're like it's it's like physical and it's in our pockets i think we're actually only the you're talking about putting stuff away but imagine it's in your retina how do you put it away right because this is where it's going right imagine it's hardwired to your brain something like you know elon musk has now this like a company and it's just neural that's the direction And now you're like, oh, I choose to not. But if you had it surgically implanted or if it's in your retina, what do you do then? It's Now we're like, I think we're okay now. <laughs> That's right. I, That's true. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a funny story about, you know, so, you know, and I think it's, it's an enabler. My, my father is, he's nearly 70 years of age back in the UK. And you, what you said before, Rain, is typically you, you go on Twitter and something will get you enraged. Something about something will get you enraged. And if you have a discussion with someone and you tend to maybe having an argument, but a polite argument. What's really interesting mm. for me is my dad always jumps in <laughs> and says, mm. don't, don't, uh, you know, don't argue with my son. Don't argue with him. And I'm like, dad, what are you doing here? Right. This, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and um, so it enables my father to uh, join into any discussions and arguments I may have with anybody, which is quite interesting. <laughs> He's sticking up for you. That's a good dad. Exactly. That's a good dad. Let's get a tech trend from you, Rain. What do you think is going to be the next big thing in technology? What would be the device or the thing that you would want now that would make your life better or more entertaining? Oh my goodness. Wow. That's great. You a know, digital I'm kiln? The, a digital kiln. Listen to that. Um, I think the next tech, tech trend. Uh, so my friends of mine uh, in Chicago started this thing called Guild Row. And of course they started it right when COVID hit, which was the worst, but it's anti-tech. So I think my next tech train uh, a chain is going to be anti-tech. Um, it's going to be people figuring out certain environments to put their phones and computers away and to interact with people, uh, making things, creating things, building things, maybe meditating, doing something in nature, doing stuff in service projects uh, without tech. But we'll need tech to get there. We'll need tech to kind of create those environments and bring people to those environments. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. No, I, I, you, you, you said something there that really resonated with me. And, and, and Larissa knows the story on this. And Gil, you might find this quite interesting. That at the beginning of the year, it was kind of one of those January things. I thought, I'm going to try meditation, right? I don't know how to start meditation, but I want to try it. I want to get into it. And I downloaded this app called Calm. I don't know if you've heard of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I started this program of meditation. Now, I've been doing it now for nearly two months. And it's really, I find it great. I, I, I find it, it help. I sleep better. I feel more focused. Uh, I feel more relaxed about things. But I think that's really been something that I've embraced during this pandemic. And 
I, I know it sounds a bit strange, but that's been a real positive from a sort of digital adoption perspective, digital meditation. Well, I think what you're what you're onto is exactly uh, what I'm talking about, which is a a digital tool that allows you to unplug. So yeah. a digital tool that allows people to connect and unplug. So we're not connecting via, you know, DMing on Instagram or Facebook or something like that, but connecting with something else. But but we need those digital tools to help us. You needed that that tool to go down that path. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's been I find it amazing. And and Gil, you said you started digital yoga. How does that work? Well, not digital yoga, but I I started doing <laughs> because, you know, I started doing uh, yoga classes via Alo Yoga, right? So it's, it's like my number one app in the morning is uh, doing Alo Yoga. You know, it, it's, it's always, you know, Rain, you talked about the two sides of the coin, you know, I look at my children versus me. So my children have lived in one place for their entire life in one country. And I actually grew up traveling. I, I was born uh, in Asia, in Japan, and then I traveled to Israel and then to London. And supposedly I was a global child, but actually my view was always very small. And my children who've lived in one place, but because of social networks and because of the internet, there I think they're so much more globally aware and they're like smarter because they understand what sustainability is. And they care more about animals because they see animal cruelty. And because otherwise they would be living in their village and only seeing, you know, like, let's say, so-called, let's say, good people who take care of their pets. But they wouldn't, like, know the world like I didn't know the world, although I traveled. But I always lived in a street. And I, one friend sent me one letter a year saying, how are you doing? And, and that's about it. That's our, that was our communication until I met him again, like 12 months afterwards. And they mm. talked to friends or, or people they never met. So I think it's, uh, it's interesting to see. I think maybe it's also our generation is, is one of the only ones who started without and now is completely with. And that's, that's right. how we are adapting, right? It's, it's a different perspective. You know, you know, I wanted to say something that was kind of cool about, about this whole Zoom thing, how it, uh, that's one positive, super positive thing, I think, actually in business that came out of it other than the hours and hours of time that we're not flying, the informality has become normal, right? So people are actually talking to people because you used to talk to suits and you used to talk to boardrooms, fancy boardrooms, and that set the scene for you are this and I am this. And, you know, it's kind of, there was always like a status thing. You walk into a room, you're meant to feel something. And it struck me like after a month in being in COVID and I was supposed to have a conference, um, a Zoom with a CMO, of a communication company in Bulgaria. So this is a super senior person or Hungary. And I, you know, I turned the zoom on and he's sitting with his t-shirt sweating like hell. He's stuck in his parents' home in Cairo and he's an Egyptian living in, <laughs> and it's like, I would have never seen him like this. And it was the greatest meeting because otherwise I would have walked into his meeting room. He would have been dressed up. I wouldn't. Have, and all of a sudden he's in his parents' room, uh, parents' home sweating. So I think it's, I think that informality has been super cool. That's true. That's true. We see, and we see in people's, I always find it funny when yeah, you're zooming into homes, people's right? bedrooms, you know, they're yeah. zooming and they're, they're where they sleep and they're like their toothbrushes back there. Yeah. And yeah. Um, <laughs> it's surprisingly intimate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think my final question, I've just thought of this, just where would be, I think this is to Gil and, and to yourself, Rain. Hmm. Where would be the first place you will travel? once we're allowed to get on planes and go somewhere, either on vacation or wherever, where would that first place be? Oh, wow. Great question. So 
COVID hit in mid-March, or that's when it started shutting things down. March 24th of last year, I was, we were slated to go to the Galapagos Islands and do <laughs> a tour on a, on a boat. And we had it planned for a year and a half beforehand. And we had our cabin berth and the flights and we had our scuba gear, you know, ready to go. And so I guess if I had the opportunity and if the skies were wide open again, I would love to go to Galapagos because I've heard it's just the interaction with the wildlife is like, like no place else. Wow. Gail, where do you want to go? I want to tag along to their trip. Yeah. yeah. Come on. <laughs> no, I will, I'll, uh, I'll bunk too. with my wife. Gil can bunk <laughs> with my teenage son. That'll be great. I was planning yeah. somewhere near like Greece, island, beach, something like that. Excellent. That sounds nice. Excellent. A Greek island. Yeah. I've never been to a Greek island. They're nice. They're nice. So look, we're almost coming uh, to the end of our um, recording. And I think um, just some closing comments from yourself, Rain. What, what are your hopes for the, for the future? For, first of all, for the future of the world, given what we've been through in the last 12 months, but also for the future of your profession, because we talked about it when, when we met the first time. There's going to be a whole load of movies hit the screen next year. And, the, you know, hopefully mm. there'll be this roaring 20s of entertainment, people going out, having fun, like we said, embracing each other. So how do you think things are going to play out in the next couple of years once we've once we're back to some level of normalcy well i'm an optimist and i have hope um i'm also uh very practical so we these are some dire times but i view this whole covid thing as a warm-up test for humanity coming together look i'm in la you're in toronto you're in tel aviv we're all connecting having this great conversation these virtual meetings have brought people together from all over the the globe and connected us all. And this is a warm up for the other big tests that are going to affect humanity, you know, climate change, political divisions that are kind of disuniting us. And it's like, oh, this is, we can survive this. We can, we can get through this. We can come up with a vaccine. We can, at least in Israel's case, we can successfully vaccinate everybody. And (laughs) you know, and move forward. So we know that as a species, we're all in this together. Uh, We can tackle racial inequality. We can tackle uh, climate change. We can tackle too much militarism. And this was like warming up in the gym for the, for the, for the competition. And as far as media goes, yeah, you're exactly right. So there's dozens of amazing movies that are sitting in vaults right now because you know (laughs) movie studios make their money twice they make their money in the movie theater and then when they sell it or rent it or lease it to to you know whatever to um streaming services and 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 airplanes and and television showings and whatnot so uh there's a lot of great movies out there to see um i'm not sure about tv but uh, that, that's that's my hope is that um, we we remember this time from the lessons that we've learned, but we go out kind of with a renewed sense of like we're all in this together. Let's stay connected, let's work together, and be grateful for the times that we are able to 
connect and high five and be in restaurants and concerts and and going to the theater and flying on airplanes and be grateful for that and remember these dark dire difficult times when when the the great indoors the motion picture hits the silver screen <laughs> in 2022 you, you no, we gotta say... wait. We gotta wait, Matt. He said, yeah. "Wait, yeah, there's a lot of movies ahead of us. We have oh, to wait yeah, in yeah, Denmark." Yeah, 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 yep, yeah. Yeah, you can say, "Well, it was that Matt Roberts. He 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 first pitched that idea at me, and I told him he was onto nothing." I think oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> okay, excellent. Well, listen, Rain. I really want to thank you for joining the Great Indoors. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on board. It's it's been thank amazing. you. It's, yeah, and uh, thank you, Gil. Thank you, Larissa. Thank you, guys. Gil, Larissa, Matt, it's a pleasure. Amdocs, thanks for having me. This was uh, a really fun conversation, and uh, you got a great thing going on here. So what a fantastic episode. Not only did we have some fun, but it was great to chat with Rain and get his views on so many interesting topics. But Rain said something at the end that's really stuck with me. And that is, we are all in this together. And if we can get through it, this is almost a warm-up to fight the next global challenges that lie ahead, be it racial inequality or climate change. So please visit our website, amdocs.com forward slash the great indoors, where we have a host of assets related to the series from guests and from ourselves. And subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast provider. I'm Matt Roberts for Amdocs in Toronto. And have a great day wherever you are.